Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Well, I'm excited to be here today. Um, such a lovely drive to come down here. Um, I am. We are going through the series on the Nicene Creed. And um, Pastor Cameron started it out a few weeks ago. And the Nicene Creed uh, is a statement of faith. And for me, it, um, it's really echoey. <laughs> for me, um, the Bible is a really amazing book. It is full of um, great stories, and it's full of truths and histori- history, and, but it's really big. And I, I've read a book in a weekend before, and I've read a book that's taken like a week or two. This one is so full that it takes a little while. I haven't, I haven't blown through it in two weeks straight before because it's so full of information. But it, it's also the truth. It is full of truth. But if you were to take and boil down this whole book, um, I believe what you would get is the essence of what it is, is what we call the Nicene Creed. For me, it takes all of the absolute non-negotiables and says, this is what we believe. And so what I'd like you guys to do today is stand with me as we do um, go through the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father, before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and by the power of the Holy Spirit was born of the Virgin Mary and became human, was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and died and was buried. On the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. He spoke while the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So, the Nicene Creed, um, go ahead. Um, two weeks ago, uh, Graham talked about the divinity of Jesus, so we're in the part where we're talking about Jesus, and uh, Graham shared with you guys about how Jesus is divine, he's God. And then uh, last week, Cameron, <clears throat> sorry, Cameron shared with you about how Jesus is human, so he was God and human, and they came down to earth and he put on humanity. 
so um, today I get to talk about what did Jesus do, okay? And so a lot of people, if you ask them what Jesus did, they would say, well, he did a bunch of miracles, right? So we're going to run through a list of what he did do. <coughs> the first thing he did was he turned water into wine, which is pretty impressive. He did it because his mom told him to. Um, the next, uh, some of the other things that he did were he uh, he saw, he gave sight to the blind. Go ahead. Um, and then he fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And then he fed 5,000 people another time, too. He walked on water. That one is impressive. I've even seen, like, has anybody ever seen the YouTube videos of people trying to walk on water? Has anybody seen that? They have, like, they run and they go about a little ways. and Yeah. <clears throat> I kind of think, well, there's Peter. No. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus was hanging out, standing on the water. So, um, and he quieted a storm. Now that, you know, that pretty much shows a, a lot of power. But, and he raised people from the dead. Um, but the Nicene Creed, when we talk about the fact that it is the essence of what the Bible is, doesn't talk about any of the miracles. It doesn't talk about a lot of things that are really important and really great for our lives and things that we can use. But what it does say about what Jesus did is this. It says he suffered, or he was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. So today, I want to um, take this apart and uh, share with you what I feel like God has poured into me in researching this and pulling it apart. Um, I've, I've learned so much, and I'm going to try and stay within my time frame. <laughs> but uh, it's been an amazing uh Amazing to see what God actually did. And today, you know, today is Palm Sunday. And um, I was thinking about that because this is right after Jesus' triumphant entry. And um, so one of the things that I wanted to share with you guys is just kind of paint a picture of what happened. And for a lot of us, we understand what happened. If we've read the Bible, we understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four eyewitness accounts of Jesus and his life. So they wrote um, the story of what Jesus did, or of his life. But the, what's also important to note is the political setting and the time frame and that kind of thing. Get the clip forward one. Yeah. So um, at the time, during, during when Jesus was born and, and was living, we were in um, Roman rule. Now, if you think of Israel is um, Israel was Jewish, you know, and they were their own people, and they were trying to establish their own rule. Well, Rome came in and conquered that whole area around the Mediterranean, okay? So they systematically, and I read the history, you know, they started in, you know, think Italy, Rome, you know, and they went and conquered all of the area, all the way around the area, um, all around the, the sea. Now, the thing is, the Jewish people weren't, they weren't going, oh, Rome, come help us. We need you to control us and tell us what to do, okay? That wasn't what was happening. What 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 the people were, were really upset about is not only did they come in, but they came in with their culture, their gods, their beliefs, 
And they came into, you know, so here we are, you know, worshiping our God, and we have our temple, and we have the things that are really important to us. Well, the Romans don't care anything about the Jewish temple. They don't care anything about God or Yahweh or any of that. And so they come in and control the area. And so you have the Romans looking at the Jewish people, and I read some accounts where the Jewish people were kind of annoying to the Romans because they really just wanted to kick them back out, you know. And so whoever happened to be in charge of Rome at the time, or I'm sorry, in charge of Judea and Jerusalem at the time, had these, you know, rebellious people they had to keep dealing with, all right? So you got you've got that two factions going on. Well, then you have the Jewish people who for a long period of time have looked for a leader. We need a leader. And they always think of, we need a leader to take care of the people who are trying to um, control us. Okay? They, they look to, you know, they ask God for a leader, um, and they had Saul, and then they had David, because they were looking for a military leader to take care of things. So the Jews are really looking for a military leader to take care of Rome. And so Jesus arrives on the scene, and, and people know that he's the Messiah. But the Jewish people are like, wait a second, he's the Messiah. Why is he, one, calling himself God? And two, he's got no military. He isn't even interested in the politics. Okay, this is a problem for us. Okay, so you got Romans versus Jews. you got Jews versus Jesus. And the Romans, they looked at Jesus like just another Jew. Okay, that they, they, there was no significance except he was doing some pretty amazing things. Those miracles, that, that was kind of impressive. So enter in... <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, enter in the Nicene Creed. Okay, so, um, oh, I wanted to say, so today we celebrate Palm Sunday as Jesus enters in, okay, so they were going to have Passover, and Jews came from everywhere to the temple to have Passover in Jerusalem. Okay, that was a big deal. They made a trek all the way to come to Jerusalem. So the, so the city is is just full of people from all over that have come to celebrate. Now, the people that had known Jesus or had seen Jesus or had heard about him, when Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, they're like, here he is, here's the Messiah. And um, and what a turn of events. For a few days later, the Jewish leaders are really done. You know, yeah, he's our Messiah, not a chance. He's not my Messiah, so I'm going to make sure that we take care of him. We're done with Jesus. Three years he's been troubled to us, so this is what we're going to do. So he was crucified. Now, crucified um, means, I mean, a lot of us understand that it means being nailed to a cross so that you will die. I mean, that was the purpose, is that you're put on a cross to, to bring about your death. Um, the word crucified actually also means to be rejected or despised. Um, in some scriptural language, it's even referred to as being um, utterly destroying one's power or in ruling influence with intense pain. And the English word excruciating comes from the word crucify. That's where we get that. So we understand that the picture of crucifixion was a horrible, painful death. So in Matthew 27:26 it says, oh, I should preface that there's lots of scriptures. There's lots of scriptures. And if I had time to read you all of the scriptures, well, 
I wouldn't have time to read you all the scriptures. So I picked out a few here and there to share with you that I felt were, you know, um, that God led me to say this is the one. So Matthew 27, 26 says, So Pilate released Barabbas to them and then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And in Acts 2.36, it says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that the God that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and a Roman statesman. Now, understand that crucifixion was never done on a Roman citizen. Okay, the Romans reserved that for other people that were not, you know, they were not Roman citizens, so they were lower than. The lowest of the low is what who they would crucify. And a Roman statesman named Cicero is quoted as saying this, it is a crime to bind a Roman citizen. To scourge him is an act of wickedness. To execute him is almost murder. To crucify him, an act so abominable, it is impossible to find words to adequately express. So that's a Roman person saying, Oh my gosh, you wouldn't crucify somebody. That's horrible. That's what they did. Now, um, the next part of the Nicene Creed says, for us under Pontius Pilate. Um, so in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Now, that word carried in the beginning literally means to bear and can be interpreted um, put on an altar. So he personally put on an altar our sins. And sin, and we understand sin is lots of things, but um, the definitions that I have are to miss the mark, to violate God's law, or to wander from the path of righteousness and honor. So all of those things, by missing the mark, by violating God's law, Jesus took all of those things and put them on the altar. Oh, I'm sorry, back up. Sorry. Um, and then it says, so that we could be dead to those things with sin and live, and live there can be translated worthy of his name. Okay? And right, for what is right, that right is a condition acceptable by God. That we would be accepted by God. Okay? So, um, so, part of what happened in the uh, week that led up to, or what happened, I'm sorry, Right before he was crucified, the Jews plotted to kill Jesus. And so, but they also had a bunch of rules. I thought this was interesting. The Jews had a lot of other rules that they were following. And one of them, well, two of them, were one, they could not kill somebody. And two, they could not secretly hold a trial. Okay? So, the, the night that Jesus was in the garden, the Jewish leaders showed up and took him secretly, held a trial, found him guilty, 
and and then knew he must die, but they couldn't do it. Okay, so they decided to follow the one rule, but not the other. All right, so it, this is all in the middle of the night. So come morning time, they're like, okay, well we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get him crucified. So let's take him to Pilate, who's the governor of the area. Okay, so he's the governor down here in Jerusalem, right, in this area. And um, I told you that people came from all over. And the part in purple up there in Galilee, Herod happened to be in town as well. He came down because it was the Jewish, uh, everybody was coming to the area, and it was pretty packed and intense. And um, Herod came to the areas too. And so the Jews brought Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate said, okay, so now he was Roman ruler, not real thrilled with the Jewish people, and the Jewish people come and say, you need to kill this guy for us. And he's like, okay, so why do I need to do this? Well, he has violated our religious rules. The Romans are like, I don't have any problem with your religious rules. That's your deal. And But they're, they're, they keep being persistent and persistent. And so Pilate's like, you know what? Oh, wait, Jesus is from Galilee. You know what? I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to send him over to Herod because Herod happens to be in town, and I'll let him deal with him. Well, Herod's like, oh, yeah, I, I want to see this Jesus person. I've been hearing a lot about him. So they bring Jesus in, and Jesus won't talk to Herod. So Herod's like, well, that was a real letdown. I wanted to, you know, like hear what was going on and see this guy, and he's refusing to talk to me. So he's like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm sending him back to Pilate. We're, we're in Jerusalem. So he sends him back to Pilate, and Pilate um, has before him, He's like, okay, well, now what am I going to do? And the thing is, the Jewish people, part of what he had to do as a Roman governor was keep the peace, okay? So the Jewish people were getting to a mob state asking for Jesus to be killed. And so he says, all right, well, I know this guy didn't do anything. And Barabbas, he's really bad. So I know what I'll do. I'll let the people choose. Do you want Barabbas to die or do you want Jesus to die? because they're not really going to pick Jesus, because Barabbas is a really bad guy. Wrong. <laughs> the, the Jewish leaders had gotten the mob so worked up that they asked for Jesus to be crucified. So, um, so Pilate has, has Jesus scourged or flogged, and, um, so, and, he, and so that comes into the next slide, which is um, he suffered, okay? So in Mark 15, 17 through 19, it says, Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. And in Matthew 27, 26, it says, So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. He turned, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Now that word suffer means to bear pain in your body and your mind. So the mock worship and the things that happened there, that was, you know, that was going at his emotions. And then his body was flogged and, and, you know, he was whipped so badly. In some accounts, that was they would whip somebody or flog them, scourge them to the point where they would die. 
Okay, that's how badly. And remember what I said. The Romans were really done with the Jews. They didn't do this because this was Jesus. They did this because it was a Jew. And you people are being a pain. Okay? So I'm going to make an example of this guy. We're going to beat him so bad that none of you will step out of line. And the scourging was so bad that when he went to crucifixion, he was supposed to carry the crossbar. And we've seen the pictures, you know. And so he had the crossbar on his back, but he only got so far and he couldn't carry it anymore because the scourging was so intense. Um, but the other thing about this word suffer, when you look through Jesus, that word suffer also means to allow. Jesus allowed this to happen to him. He allowed the scourging. He allowed the pain and abuse. He took it when he was questioned and when he was mocked and taunted. He he did all of that. He allowed it to happen. And then he died. So on the cross, uh, in Luke 23:46, um, in the very end, it says, "Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands." And with those words, he breathed his last. And in John 19:32, it says, "So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. Only the soldiers, however, pierced his, one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. And that word died, also means deprived of life, right? The life was gone. But it also means empty or vacant. I don't want you to remember that. That, who, you know, Jesus was empty or vacant. And we'll come back to it. And he was buried. In Mark 27, 57, it says, As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, was, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He was placed in his own new, he placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of a rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. And that word buried um, can be translated hidden or concealed or overwhelmed. You know, it's also um, where we get the expression uh, bury the hatchet, which means to forgive and forget. And Jesus was buried so that our sins could be forgiven and forgotten. And then the third day he rose again. In Mark 16, 2 through 10, it, it talks about now when Jesus was taken off the cross, I need to just clarify that they wanted to hurry up and have it done before the Sabbath. Okay, so they had to hurry up and they had to put him in the tomb and they didn't get a chance to do the embalming and, and that kind of thing. So, so, um, so here, enter uh, very early on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and, the Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? 
But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had been already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, "Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body." And that word risen, aroused from the sleep of death, it also means to recall to life. But it also means to return or return again to a solid state. Now remember when I said when he died he was vacant or empty, and then he returned to a solid state, which is what Cameron told us last week, that he is human. You know, he became man. And then according to the scriptures. Now the scriptures, that when the Bible is talking about scriptures, they're talking about their sacred writings, the things that they've had before. But scriptures are also um, historical. You know, when we think about um, documentation and we think about things from, um, when we think about history, we think about things that were written down. You know, and I was thinking about that. When I, when I think about, like, JFK died, I, they had video footage of that. So I know, you know, I mean, I've seen the video. I've seen him die. And, but Abraham Lincoln died, and I don't have any video of that. But I know that it's true because it was written down by people of the time that had seen it and knew that it happened. So we know that, especially in schools, they talk about, when history, we talk about primary sources and secondary sources. And primary sources are ones where people saw it and they wrote it down. Those we know we can rely on. And that is what we're talking about. The Bible was written down. There are things that are historical. There are truths. They were written for us to be able to go back and look at. And it's how we can verify information. And um, the next part of this, of the creed says, according to the scriptures, and what's amazing is it's not talking necessarily about according to the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but according to the scriptures, which were, um, whoa, that, we went right back to the beginning. Oh, back, back up. Okay, in Psalm 110, 1, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, and uh, I'm going to stop a second. When you're reading, some translations will have capitalized when it talks about, when they're, when they're referring to Jesus and to God and, and Holy Spirit, they'll have them in capitalized. So you know that this, when they're talking about Lord said to my Lord, that he's talking about Jesus said to God, or God said to Jesus. Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool, under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. I'm sorry. I, I'm a little lost. What's he say? Yeah. 
Um, so he ascended into heaven. And in Mark 16:19, it says, When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right place at the right place of honor at God's right hand. You know what? <laughs> My slides are missing. So I'm just going to stop for just a second. Please bear with me. And talk about according to the scriptures. And um, in Isaiah 53:4, it gives an account of Jesus on being suffering, dying, and um, as our sacrificial lamb. And in Psalm 22, it also talks about that, G- that uh, David is, is writing this psalm, but it says, you've pierced my hands and my feet, and you um, look at me and mock me, and you took my clothes and you threw dice for them and cast lots and, and divided them amongst yourselves. And we know that when, when David wrote that, he wasn't talking about himself, he was talking about Jesus. So the Old Testament is full of, those are just two scriptures, it is full of what hap- what was going to happen. And you know, it's so, so precise, and it's so exact. You almost want to think, wow, do you think the Romans went back and said, oh, let's look through the Old Testament and see how we can take care of this king of the Jews? Well, of course he didn't do that. But God wanted you to know, this is going to be the one. This is who it is. I'm giving you all of this so that you can know, this is who I sent you. This is the Messiah. And then, um, so then in Mark 16, 19, um, this, so the Nicene Creed continues with, and he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. In Mark 16, 19, it says, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And that word um, ascended means to proceed from an inferior place to a superior place. Okay? And um, that word right hand um, literally means a place of authority. So Jesus went from an inferior place to a superior place and a place of authority. Go ahead. So what did Jesus do? In Romans 4.25, it says, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and He was raised to life to make us right with God. Now that word, handed over, is actually, He allowed Himself. You know, it isn't like someone had the power over him to give him to somebody else. You know, he allowed that. I mean, there were times, if you look at the accounts, there were times where the Jewish leaders came up and they were trying to get him and he just disappeared. They couldn't find him. But this time, he's in the garden and he allowed him. He he said, okay, go ahead, take me. He did it to die for our sins. And then he was raised to life to make us right with God. And that right is an act of God declaring men free of guilt and acceptable to him. That's why he died. is so that 
we could be acceptable in God's sight. You know, that, that, that sin, that violation, um, you know, we're just, we're born in a sinful state and there's a separation between us and God. Jesus came to say, no, there's no separation anymore. I want to make a way that you are right before God. Pilate, when he, he got done and he said, okay, you know, we're going to take, you're going to take, uh, go ahead and crucify him. He went over and he did something kind of funny. He, he washed his hands and said, okay, but it's not on me. Accept it. <laughs> it totally is. You know, he was in charge. He knew. And he went ahead and allowed it to happen. And he's going to have to answer for that. You know, I mean, he, he did a, a, you can wash your hands all day long, dude, but you still ordered the execution. You know, I mean, you did. In, in, very much like Pilate, we have to answer for our state, for the things that we do in our life, the sins that we, the things that we do, the violations that we have against God's laws. We have to, we have to answer for those. And in the Old Testament, the answer was to put a sacrifice, to have a sacrifice to exonerate you. And Jesus came so that we could have the ultimate sacrifice exonerate us, you know? And I, I, my son is uh, in a musical right now, and it's, it's Footloose. And there's a song in there, um, and, it, and the girl is singing, I want a hero. You know that song? I, I, I'd sing it for you, but I don't know, it's not very good. But um, we just I, just, I need a hero. And this morning when I woke up, I just, I, it was, it was in my head, and I, and I was like, what, what are you saying, God? And he said, you know, every person has been looking for a hero. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny because a lot of stories and things are written about, about things like that. And, and it's because we all have this thing inside of us. We're looking for a hero. And Jesus is our hero. You know? And, and I, I, this book, you know, the Nicene Creed is the absolute boiled down, this is the most important thing. The book is full of things that are applicable and important to our lives. And, and this book is, it gives life. And you know, if you went to your local library, I don't know where you might find it. Maybe you'd find it, I hope you'd find the Bible in there. You'd probably find it in the religious section. You know, but there are parts of the world and there's archaeologists who use this because it's historical. So you might find it in the historical section. But in my house, in my library, it would probably be under the romance section. Because this book is God so loved you that he gave his only son to die for you so that you could be right with God. You know, so that you could be reunited with him. That's what this book 